1: doesn't get angry at the people who betrayed him. He knows that these people are going to betray him, and he does not get angry on them. The same people he just set free from the Philistines, David doesn't get angry at them. He had risked his life for these people. He had gone to battle with his men for these people, an army that was much larger than him. He risked everything. He exposed himself to a paranoid king, and the people of Caleb betrayed him. I believe David didn't get angry for several reasons follow God's command.
0: As Pastor Dave continues his teaching series through 1 Samuel, he'll be reminding you that your battle is not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and demonic forces. King David understood this reality, and he didn't grow angry and wrathful towards Saul, even though he was being hunted down by him. And here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 23. As he continues his message, David obeys, God delivers. You are
1: I was called to go from Cape May Tech down to Wildwood to teach shop. I was doing well at Cape May Tech. I was doing well monetarily. I went for my interview at Wildwood, and they offered me the job on the spot. Offered me the job on the spot. One problem. It was $20,000 less than I was making at Tech. B and I prayed about it. We prayed about it and prayed about it and prayed about it. And I went to Wildwood. I went to Wildwood High School. It was the best move I ever made. Best move I ever made. It prepared me. I followed the Lord. It was hard. Don't you think it wasn't hard to follow the Lord? It was hard to follow the Lord in that situation. But it was the best move I've ever made as far as that education career. And God used that mightily. And he got me here. Coming down here, we had to leave everything behind. All our friends, a great big four-bedroom house. We had to leave all things behind and come down here. Mark and Rini had to do the exact same thing. You leave things behind. And it's difficult to leave things behind. It's difficult to leave friends behind. It's difficult to leave. Your, you just experienced that, Teresa. You just experienced that. It's difficult to leave those things behind. But when God calls you someplace and you do it, the reward is so much greater, so much greater than any of that. So much greater, so much greater. David followed the Lord, and God gave him the victory, and he gave him the supplies. And in verse 6, Abathar comes, and he carries with him something very special. Now it happened when Abathar, the son of Amalek, fled to David at Kila. he went down with an ephod in his hand. Remember, the ephod is the vest that the priest wear. All priests have an ephod. And in the ephod are all these precious stones, 12 of them representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And also in there was the Urim and Thurum, which they used to determine what God's will was. So it was very, very important for him to be there with the ephod. Remember who Abathar was. He was the son of Ahimelech. Remember last time we talked, Ahimelech and all the 80 priests were killed by the sword by Saul. Actually, it was Doeg, the Edomite. But this guy escaped and went to David. We're going to talk about that in a minute, the Urim and Thummim in a minute. In verse 7 and 8, we see Saul getting the word that David was in Kila, And Saul was told that David had gone to Kila. So Saul said, God has delivered him into my hand, for he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. Then Saul called all the people together for war to go down to Kila to besiege David and his men. Interesting. I wonder how many of them didn't want to go. A lot of them knew David. A lot of them were friends with David. But Saul is carrying all getting all these guys together. We're going to go down there and we're going to take things in. What did Saul do? He mistakenly thought that God was working for him. He mistakenly thought that God was doing something special and giving David into his hand. Once again, that paranoia and that problem with his head was manifesting itself. He wasn't thinking clearly. Look at 9 through 12. When David saw that when David knew that Saul plotted evil against him, he said to Abathar the priest, "Bring the ephod here." And David said, "O Lord God of Israel, your servant has certainly heard that Saul seeks to come to Kilah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the man of Kilah deliver me into this hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard?" "O Lord God of Israel, I pray, tell your servant." And the Lord said, "He will come down." Then David said, will the men of Kila deliver me and my men to the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, they will deliver you. So David goes to the Lord, right? Oh, I'd love to see the look on David's face when this happens. David goes to the Lord. David's in a tough spot. He is in a tough spot. And you know what's interesting about the tough spot he's in? The Lord led him there. The Lord led David. Remember, the Lord said, go down to Kila and take it. The Lord led David to this tough place. The Lord sometimes leads us into tough places. He leads us into tough places, and he places us there. Sometimes he places us there as a test. Sometimes he does different things, but it's the Lord. He does these things. David was behind these city walls, and Saul said, This is an opportunity. God has given David to my hand. woo let's go. I love this exchange. Lord, are they going to do this? Yep. Are they going to turn me in? Yep. Lord, what? Yeah, they're going to do this. They're going to betray you. I love the fact here. Now, this is huge for me. And it's a good lesson for us to learn. David doesn't get angry at the people. David doesn't get angry at the people who betrayed him. He knows that these people are going to betray him, and he does not get angry on them. The same people he just set free from the Philistines, David doesn't get angry at them. He had risked his life for these people. He had gone to battle with his men for these people, an army that was much larger than him. He risked everything. He exposed himself to a paranoid king, and the people of Caleb betrayed him. I believe David didn't get angry for several reasons. He followed God's command. He did what God had asked him to do. And God might lead you into a point where somebody betrays you. He might lead you into a point where somebody betrays you. He might lead you in that way. He might lead you in a way. David didn't get mad at them. And I love this about David. Would that I be that way? Would that I be that way? And I pray that I would be that way. I'm not always that way. I have, my patience is thin sometimes. But he followed God because he knew God was his reward. He knew that God was his reward, and God rewarded David and his men greatly. They were hungry, and as I said, they had all this food. They had all this food. So when I see this, and I look at this, how many times have I stood at this podium and said, where God guides, God provides? Right there. God guided them into that city and gave them all that food that they could take, all the spoils. Where God guides and you lead and you follow, God provides. Jesus told us that whatever measure we give out, it will be given back to us in Luke 6, 38. Whatever measure we get out, it'll be given back to us. He encouraged the freedom to give without fear of becoming a loser in our giving. He wants us to set us free in the fear of giving too much. Number one, you can't outgive God. Amen. You can't outgive God. You know, what money do we have that's not God? Somebody answer that to me. Thank you. We make anything we have belongs to God. Anything He's given us belongs to Him anyway. It's God's money. It's God's money, and God will measure unto us the same thing that we measure for others. This is a powerful motivation for generous giving. But, but only not. I'm not just talking about monetary things here, folks. I'm talking about love. I'm talking about giving out love, giving out forgiveness being good to one another. What you give, God will give you back in the same measure and more and pour that on you. If we want more of these things for God, then we should be ones who give out more, for God loves a cheerful giver. All right, here's my here's my tithe. Oh, my God, here it is, my tithe. That's going to get you real far. Yep, it's going to get you real far. God knows your heart. He knows your heart. This is true. It's been tested time and time and time again. We are living proof of what God can do when we give of our hearts, when we give generously, when you give generously, when the church then turns around and gives generously. It's a wonderful thing. It's wonderful to see. And when we share with someone, our faith grows. Our faith gets stronger. Our faith starts to get stronger when you pray for others. Our faith gets stronger and our prayers become passionate and they become real as we pray for one another. That's why prayer at the end of what we do on Wednesday night is so important. Praying for one another. There's power in God's prayer. There's power when we get together and lay hands on and pray. There's power when people get together. There's power when the ladies pray on Friday night. There's power when we pray on Sunday morning. There's power. Anytime two or more get together and they pray and lift up the name of Jesus, there's power there. There's power in God's prayer. Power. And there's such joy. And when you have that kind of joy... Even though you might be hungry from being in the desert for a while, there's no hunger. Jesus modeled that for us in John 4, remember? They were hungry when they came into Samaritan village. They were hungry. They hadn't eaten for who knows how long. But Jesus sent the disciples to go get something, and he stayed there. And he shared his heart with a Samaritan woman, a sinner, a woman who had had multiple husbands and who was living with a guy. And he shared his heart with her and she runs back to the village and tells all the people she thinks she found the messiah and when they get back when the disciples get back go look at him look at his countenance they said did you get food he says i have food that you have no idea of he said my food is to do the will of him who sent me that's sustenance folks That's sustenance, and that's how God provides you. If you're doing those things, God will provide, and he will satisfy that hunger in more ways than you can think of. So the people in Kilah betrayed David. They betrayed him. They told Saul where he was, and they gave him up. But Jesus, on the Sermon on the Mount, says, Blessed are you if somebody reviles against you. Blessed are you if somebody persecutes you for my name's sake. Blessed. Oh, how happy. Oh, how happy when you're betrayed. Oh, how happy. Wow. David wasn't angry with the people of Kaila because maybe he was feeling guilty because he dropped the ball with Ahimelech. Maybe David was feeling so guilty. Remember how he lamented over Ahimelech's death? How he was so tied up in knots because Ahimelech and all the priests died and he thought it was his fault? When we get betrayed, it's easy to forget about the people we have betrayed. When we get betrayed, it's easy to forget about those that we have done wrong to. I like to say, my sin looks pretty terrible on you. Don't look so bad on me, but on you, ugh. Maybe that's why David didn't get mad at the people. What's interesting to me is that once David had the word of God, he then had to make a choice. He had to make a choice. He could obey the voice of God or not. Because look what happens here. Then David said, well, the men of Kay, he talked them. So David and his men, about 600, arose and departed from Kilah and went wherever they could go. Then it was told Saul that David had escaped from Kila, so he halted the expedition. David had to make a choice. God said, they're coming for you, and you're going to be turned in. God told him that. David had to make a choice. When we hear the word of God, we have a choice. We can either do what God has called us to do or not. God will never push you or force you to do what he's called you to do. There may be some hellacious circumstances and consequences if you don't. Saul and his men were coming. The people are going to betray you. David had to make a choice. David could have stood and fought. He had already had a great victory over the Philistines, but God didn't tell him to do that, did he? David knew that it wasn't the Lord and that a lot of innocent people would die and get hurt. David was a great warrior. He was a great man of battle. But he humbled himself and he ran. He fled. David wasn't the kind of man to sneak away from a battle. But David wasn't the kind of man to let his pride get better of him either. Sometimes we stay and fight when we should flee, when we should run. Paul ran. Paul left cities. All left cities behind. David takes his men out of the city and they go back to the strongholds. They go back to the wilderness. The merry men go back to the caves and the thickets. Saul halts his expedition. David's humble heart saved the city of Kila, And this shows the same heart as our son, excuse me, as our savior, the son of David, Jesus, who through his humble action spared us not only against Satan, but against the righteous judgment of God. See, David becomes the type of Christ. And we look at that. Let's finish. 14 and 15. And David stayed in the strongholds, in the wilderness, and remained in the mountains, in the wilderness of Ziph. Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. So David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a forest. Interesting here is that David retreats to a hiding place, to stronghold. But Ziph basically means refinement. Ziph basically means refining. What a place for David to go. He certainly wasn't comfortable in the thickets. Certainly wasn't comfortable living out there. But listen to what Guzik says about this. Quote, God guided and protected David, but it wasn't comfortable or easy. This is an essential time for God's work in David's life. He became a man after God's heart in the shepherd's field, but he became a king in the wilderness during the refining time, during the time when the Lord goes, looking pretty good there, Davey boy. I think I'll put the flame up just a tad higher. Get some of that dross off you. A little burden with some of that dross. I'm going to turn it up just a tad. Lord turned up the heat in David's life and refined him. Refiner's fire. My heart's desire. Refiner's fire. Refine me, Lord. Make me more like you. Now, Sometimes refining fire hurts. Sometimes it causes us to cry in pain and hurts as the Lord refines us. But he's doing such a mighty work in you. He's doing such a good work in you. He wants to burn away the impurities of your life just like he wanted to burn away the impurities of David's life. Why? Because he wants people to see Jesus in you. He has to burn that stuff away so people can see Jesus. He he wanted the nation of Israel to see God in David. God puts us through a refining process. Let's face it, he puts us through a refining process. We're all going to go through some sort of refining process in our day. We don't know what it's going to look like. It may be different for each of us. It may be the same in a lot of ways, but it's still a refining fire. He's going to put us through a refining process as we're made into the image of Jesus. He's got to get rid of the old man, and he's got to get the new man in place. He's got to scrape off the dross, scrape off all the impurities in our lives, and make us new, pure, and holy. Be ye holy, even as your Father in heaven is holy. In order to do that, there has to be a refining process. There has to be a process where the heat is turned up, and the dross comes to the top, so that we can rid ourselves of the dross. Many people ask, how did David get such intimacy with God? You read through the Psalms, and David really has... I mean, how did he get to be a, God, a man after God's own heart? He had such passion for God. He had such an understanding of the Lord that he wrote all these beautiful Psalms. And he wrote them in places like caves and wrote them in places of thickets and places like that. I venture to say it was because of places like the caves and Ziff, the wilderness... It was when people were chasing him to kill him, when he was betrayed and when he was hated, when he was forsaken and when he was all alone, when God turned the heat up on the refining process. This is when David became a true man of God. I believe in all my heart, and I've said this before from this venue, I believe in all my heart that God calls a man or a woman to him. God calls a man and a woman to him to go to ministry, and then he prepares them for the ministry. Then he begins to prepare them, and some of the preparation means turning up the heat turning up the refiner's fire, getting rid of the stuff, getting rid of the things that are bogging you down, getting rid of the things where you lack faith, making you trust in God and God alone. And he does all sorts of things to get you to trust in him, in him alone. And when you're feeling confident, that's a dangerous place to be. When you start to feel confident in your own strength, and your own abilities, that's such a dangerous place to be. My only confidence, my only hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And what he accomplished on the cross, that's my only hope. And if I venture out of that, I'm in trouble. My confidence is in God and God alone. And if it wasn't, you would be in trouble. You would be in big trouble because you're here following what we teach here. It's God and only God. It's not about a man. It's not about me. It's never going to be about me. If it is, I need to come off of the stage immediately. It's about God. It's about Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that's what it's about. When we go through these trials, when we go through this refining fire, our faith grows. And we come dependent upon one person and one person only, and that's Jesus Christ. You might say, well, how long is this refining process going to be? Well, that is up to you. For some of us, it's a long time. For some of us, it might not be so long. Sometimes it takes longer than you does. But the key to the refining process is submitting. Submitting to God. Submitting to the Holy Spirit. Submitting to the Holy Spirit what he wants to do. When we submit to this process, we see a reflection of him. And we see his face in our lives. Verse 14b is a but God verse. Look at it. And David stayed in the strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Sif. Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. It's a but God verse. God did not deliver David into Saul's hand. God is sovereign, and his refining process takes a while. And he always has his hand upon you during that process. Just as God was with David, God is with you tonight. He will never leave nor forsake you. He loves you with an everlasting love. So when Satan comes roaring around like a lion, seeking to whom he can devour, and you have to know that confidence that God has everything under control. God has it all under control. If God before you, who can be against you? God has everything under control, regardless of what the circumstances tell you. Regardless of what you see with your eyes, God has it under control. Though your relationships fail, though you have money problems, though you have illnesses galore, though you find your son dead on an apartment floor, God is in control. God is always in control and always will be in control. If you don't believe that, you're in for a world of hurt. Because trials are going to come your way. Trials would come your way. God wants to teach you this, to trust in him. Trust in him when there's four or five hurricanes brewing in the Atlantic. Trust in him when there's a 7.1 earthquake in Mexico City and a 6.1 earthquake off the shore of Japan at 2 o'clock this morning. Trust in him when the fires out there in Montana and the western are burning like wild and well over 2 million acres have burned in Montana. Who are you going to trust? Are you going to call Ghostbusters? Well, good luck with that. (laughs) If your trust is in not God alone, if your trust is not in him solely, you're in for a very difficult time, my brothers and sisters. And it's my prayer that you will place your trust into a God who loves you so much that did not spare his son But sent him to a cruel Roman cross to die for each and every one of us, die for all those out in the world. And when he screamed from that cross the greatest victory cry ever known to mankind, it is finished. Settle in your heart and move forward in God's love. Move forward in confidence because it's God that's going to do it. The storms are coming, everything is set up, but Christ is coming too. Christ is coming. He said, when you see these things, when you hear wars and rumors of wars, when you see earthquake and pestilences and all these sorts of things, when you see these things, look up, because your redemption is nigh.
0: You are sure We're so glad you joined Pastor Dave Schenck today for A Sure Hope. This study in 1 Samuel has been taking you further into God's process of fulfilling promises, and it may not look like you'd always wanted to. God gave a promise to David when he was young and unequipped to handle the magnitude of what was to come. God still gave him a glimpse to the future, though, and we walked with David to help him grow and learn. God's plan included trials along with victories, but he was faithful to David throughout. Right now in our country, we are facing a trial never before experienced. Don't fear. God is as faithful to you now as he was to David. He will bring you through, and you can lean on Him for strength and comfort in the waiting. We'd encourage you to read ahead in 1 Samuel and discover for yourself how God works life out, and let Him encourage you through it. How can we be praying for you during this 1 Samuel study and during this unusual time in history? Please give us a call and let us know at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821. We are pleased to be able to bring you teachings from God's Word on each edition of A sure Hope. If you'd like to hear more from this series and the book of 1 Samuel, visit assurehoperadio.com. There are several teachings on various books of the Bible available online for download, and we encourage you to share them with friends and family. That's all we have time for. Thanks for tuning in to Assure Hope.